0: Hello everyone, Uh, thank you for tuning in. This is The Right Way Podcast and I am your host, Samuel Elliott. Uh, Today we are joined for the first ever show ever with a best-selling Australian author, Monica McInerney. Uh, She has written literally dozens of books, uh, many of which are bestsellers here as well as internationally uh so monica is going to be discussing with me her brand spanking new book set to arrive in australian bookshelves in the coming week the godmothers so uh everyone give a big digital round of applause to monica for joining us to discuss the godmothers so monica thank you so much for joining me on the program
1: it's my pleasure Samuel, thank you for wanting to talk to me.
0: Beautiful. Well, I do and I've got a lot of lot of questions. I'm actually going to start off with an oldie but a goodie. It's a basic one, but I just it's kind of pretty deep as well. I wanted to know where the idea originated from because I you know, I looked into a little bit of your your upbringing. So with Eliza being or the main character of the Godmother's being a single uh, child, it really couldn't have been uh, from your own upbringing. I was just really interested where the idea stemmed from. Was it an image or where did that come from?
1: Well, I guess the, the, the inspiration, if you like, or in other words, would be the, the, the seeds that were planted. Mm. It's threefold, really. One is um, I have a lifelong fascination with families and family secrets. Mm. And I'm particularly interested in the secrets that one generation keeps from the next. And for me, I, I guess two stories, two family stories brought it home to me the very many different reasons that people can um, keep secrets from, from other people. Mm. And I'll just tell, maybe just briefly tell you about both of those. Yes, please, yeah. in, yeah, in 1957, um, so eight years before I was born, my father's half-sister died in a drowning accident on the family farm. Um, she drowned in an underground water tank. And it was, as a child growing up, I was really conscious that there was more to that story than we were told mm. that it, it, you know was it an accident was it you know was it more tragic or was it more sinister and it was one of those things as a child that stays with you that I remember asking my dad about it and he said no I don't know anything more and I would ask my aunt about it and she was also my godmother so that, that's possibly where another seed was planted mm. and she very very skilled at uh, giving evasive answers and so I never found anything out and she died and my father's died since And, and I don't know what the truth is of that but I do know that it was more than I was told as a child. And then, more recently, um, my sister—one of my older sisters—I'm one of seven kids—and one of my older sisters, a her very best friend, gave her a bound collection of uh, all the emails and letters that they had exchanged through five really action-packed years of their friendship in mm. their thirties. And you know know, they apparently discuss in forensic detail all this material about their friends their families their relationships and my sister has made her husband promise to destroy that book if anything ever happens to her because she doesn't want her kids to get anywhere near it to read any of it or her siblings which of course makes me really want to read it but Those two stories, I grew up with those, like, they've been in my head, like, the childhood one, obviously, you know, since school for for 50 years, maybe 55 years, and my sister's one, and I've discovered that my books come out of um, different ingredients, and they are the, they are the ingredients that that started the godmother, the idea that friends keep friends have really close-knit secrets and they don't want other people to know, and also secrets within generations about a family story that they don't want the next generation to know about. And I think that's what The Godmothers is all about. It's, it's packed with secrets and it's also packed with moral dilemmas in terms of, you know, if you know something, is, it, is it, should you share that or is it sometimes better to say that you don't know the truth?
0: Yeah okay right. Well you, you've touched on a few things that I definitely want to go into more detail about. Uh, let's talk about secrets for the first for the first part because you're right. I mean secrets do definitely define the book but one of the things I found so interesting is that uh, there can be figures within your life uh, such as Jeannie in this book where you've uh, there were lifelong friends. Um, and you can essentially never really fully know them despite having such an intimate bond with them. And then that can then lead to uh, a keeping of secrets or even outright lies that you not, know not to be the truths, but that is how you seemingly remember someone or they want to be remembered. Is that something that you were kind of talking about there, Monica? Because I mean, both Olivia and Maxie throughout obviously uh, continue to perpetuate much to their own sort of moral uh, quandary with Eliza as to these... Um, a lot of these lies that kind of aggregate or embellished into their understanding of what Jeannie is and how they tell Eliza, uh, how they remember her. Is that something that you're exploring? Yes. Is that something that we, we can potentially do as family members?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're absolutely um, on the button in terms of that. That's one of the themes of the book about... I guess it's almost about the stories you create about yourself because the book mm. is very much about friendship, this really close friendship between these three women and they met at boarding school when you're still forming your personalities, mm. when you're still forming who you are as people and often I think when you meet like these, you know, they, they met when they say like 14, 15 and then the book follows them, you know, right through their, 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 in their 50s, the two godmothers mm. and I'm very, very interested in what shapes a person. Like if you have something big happen to you as a young person, does it destroy you? Does it make you stronger? Does it suddenly, the same way if you see a tree on a, you know, the top of a hill and there's been a lot of wind, it's misshapen in the shape of that wind. <laughs> and in the same way, I'm very interested in the, the way we can protect our friends, but also when you're very close with somebody, growing up with them, you often don't see all of their faults and you'd be swept along in the, in the, in the narrative, I suppose, of, of the way they paint themselves. And that's what I've done in the book, I, I hope, I think, I mm. tried. Um, the, the way that these these three women, uh, the way that their friendships intertwine, but so much so that they can't sit back and see that they've got into some very bad habits, Um by knowing each other
0: for so long, if that makes sense, it does make sense. Um, with this notion of friendship, I actually thought it was, it was almost more than friendship. It was almost this familial bond without the blood ties, and that was something that was kind of recurring throughout. Where it was, it was beyond just a friendship, and it extended to not only uh, wanting obviously someone to be within one's life but to have this sense of obligation to kind of fulfill their wishes or to see that go on. So with Olivia and Max, obviously they um, were close friends from boarding school and that endured, but they weren't blood relatives. And I kind of also saw that also, um, carry over with Olivia and her sense of obligation of, of like a familial obligation with Rory and Alex, you know, um, neither of which were particularly... Easy in their own rights, with their own sort of flaws and and traits, and I wanted to know if that again was also another theme in which you wanted to explore, or you were exploring if this this notion of what actually defines, or how do we delineate what is family and what is not, what, what far beyond just a simple kind of blood relation, is that also something that you were kind of exploring there? That's what I picked up on a little bit.
1: Absolutely. I think that's one of the central questions of the book, you know. Is it, who is your family? Is it the family that you make for yourself or the family that you're born into? And what if the family that you're born into um, explodes, mm. disappears you? and... It, it, it's a book. It's a, it's a book about connections, Samuel. I read in mm. lots of ways, and it, so, and it is a funny thing. Like it's only been out like about a week, and oftentimes it's only when you're hearing other people saying, "Here's what I read in it," and you discover all the themes that were your subconscious telling the story, and then and now I'm bringing them slowly out into the light. I think, um, but I am very interested in in, in that in that idea of in the world um, because you either find yourself making connections because you need to because of that deep human longing that we all do have to to feel part of a group mm. sometimes for protection for safety um, but also the way that the world crashes in on you sometimes too that um, each of the characters um, finds themselves brushing up against other characters sometimes not by choice sometimes by serendipity and 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 you find these people having an effect on your life in a way that, uh, that you know you, you didn't expect I think um, and so it, it is a lot about uh, loyalty and uh, and wanting to Connect, and but, but also how difficult it is sometimes to stay solitary um, as a human when other people are pretty much barging into
0: your life sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Look, let, let's keep talking about the connections uh, thing that you just you just touched on there because uh, there was connections obviously, and I mean yeah, you you're definitely right. That's certainly a recurring thing throughout. I, I liked that there was an an unlikely connection that kind of served as as solace. Uh, throughout and uh, almost like a burgeoning of self was the character of Sullivan
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, f- throughout so, so this chance sort of meeting uh, that Eliza obviously had with him. And I was wondering as to, yeah, cause that, that those seem, that seemed to be a commentary that you had with connections. Some are perennial, some last for life. Uh, some of them are to our detriment. A lot of them can prop us up. I mean, how, how much do you think that that is, As humanity, and you've touched on this kind of notion of solitary um, behavior and pretty much how it's almost impossible to truly achieve sins, you know, going completely off the reservation, off the grid. How much do connections define us and compel us to kind of further ourselves and obviously oversee our actions, even if they are not necessarily the best or if they're kind of deceitful in others?
1: help yourself as a human, unless, as you say, you know, you take yourself off the grid or you go and find a desert island somewhere to, mm. to, to live on. Um, and and people need one another. And and I, what I've discovered, the more I think about all the different characters in, in The Godmothers, every single one of them is longing for something. Mm. longing for something that they had, but they lost. Or something that they've never had that they wanted. Exactly. And, and in the way that lonely souls can be like magnets and iron filings sometimes. Like Sullivan, the, the character that you mentioned, he's an 11-year-old boy. Mm. Um, he's the, the only son of, of divorced parents and he spends, you know, some time each year being shuttled back and forth between Melbourne and Edinburgh where he, his parents live. And as you mentioned, uh, Eliza meets him very unexpectedly on on the long-haul flight from Australia to Scotland. and. She has been, uh, you know, she is the daughter of a very troubled single mother, a very difficult childhood, but loved, but but mm. because her mother's, you know, battling some, some all sorts of, you know, mental health issues and addiction issues. And and as a child, she's developed extra empathy and, and radar and antenna, I think. And somehow this 11-year-old boy recognises, I think, a lot in her of what he needs too he's he's a lonely little fella and she sees that in him and i i i think that's what happens in the world and i i really strive with my novels to make the characters be as many facets as possible and um, to make as a reader feel that you you're right with them that you know what's going on with them and of all like as, as i said in the early days here yeah, in terms of readership for the godmothers but I mean, I'm overwhelmed by messages from people about Sullivan, that they recognise something in him and, that he, you know, they like him. And, um, and I like writing about the way that the kids can disarm an adult sometimes because kids, you know, kids don't have those sides, really. So, uh, so that was another um, a, a way of, I guess, showing Eliza that, that, you know, you can put up all the barriers you like, um, but there's all chinks, there's lots of chinks and people are going to get through.
0: Certainly. and then um, and with yeah it, that, that's a very good way of putting it with the the chinks putting up but, but I mean the uh, the thing that I Sullivan and Celine actually were my point my two um, favorite characters I actually envisioned Celine as um, like I, I don't know like I probably Maggie Smith I'm gonna say damn, um, Maggie, Maggie Smith was probably who I was seeing in my head but there was this just this uh, duality that I saw when I was reading and every time I was thinking of Sullivan like you mentioned with the being shuttled back and forth, uh like that is that he in theory uh had uh what i think eliza always kind of craved which was this understanding of both his parents i mean obviously one uh of eliza's family members is forever lost to her the other that you know the latter half of the novel in which she's, she's searching for um again it's this it's this uh this notion of uh Familial deprivation in some and then the privilege of having not others but still denied them as well. I was wondering if that, that, that's what I was wondering if Sullivan was kind of that exploration of having something but it's still kind of denied to you whereas Eliza uh, still wants it but but is unable to kind of retrieve it or realise it as much as she wants to. Yeah,
1: that's interesting, Samuel, actually because I, I mean, I'm now thinking about with each of them, I mean, uh, I describe my novels as family comedy dramas hmm. so I do think godmothers is a family mystery and there is this kind of idea in the world that there is a perfect family you mm. know that we that uh, that i i dispute that constantly in all my novels i realise, realized and every single person in the godmothers has has an unusual family Set up in some way. Well, not unusual because they're common in that, like people coming from broken families, you know, the, the, the people of the child of a single mother, um, another couple who can't have children, mm. um, a couple who's a step family, um, you know, other ones who, who lost their, their parents at an early age, and their parents have remarried for different reasons. You know, all of them, um, and I think that's probably what I want to challenge in some ways, in that. That, again, like my, me as the novelist and me as the human being, like they run on parallel railway tracks, really. And mm. and I suppose the older I get, um, like I'm, there's, a, there's a time I think when I was in my thirties and forties, thinking you know, everybody else out there has got the better life, got the you know they've got it all sorted, they've got you know this this ideal life. And and then the more I talk to people and the the, the more I realize that. Nobody does. Mm. Everybody's got, um, you know, the, the longing that I talk about again, I suppose, and and that's often in regard to families. And so Sullivan, um, the, you know, the, the young boy who is wise, like someone described him to me as eleven going on one hundred and eleven, but he he is very clear-eyed about his situation, and and um, Eliza has something to learn from him, I think, and and and, and I think that's really one of the things that I care about in the way that people can come into your life sometimes, like Celine, who is this, you know, awful character. Like, she's, you know, this really selfish 80-year-old woman, the guest that never leaves from the hotel of one of Eliza's godmother. Um, she doesn't really have a, a place to be there. She's the mother-in-law of, the, you know, Olivia's husband's mm. first wife. But she's dug in and she's not going anywhere. And she's absolutely... Um, you know, she, she doesn't ever get her come up inside her. But, gee, she, she was fun to write. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also challenging every notion of family as well because she, does, she doesn't care a hoot about the family that she's plunging off um, because she's, she's become very selfish. So I, there's just, to me, it's almost like a solar system, I think, or the characters in, in or a meteor shower, or something, something astral anyway of all the different, you know, different, um, bodies all colliding in this novel and and each of them coming at it from a different point of view
0: yeah well let's let's keep talking about this this challenging of uh the family dynamic because uh if, if, interestingly and funnily enough i felt that um and i'm kind of treading carefully here because i don't want to um, do any spoilers. but uh you know at the conclusion i feel that uh t- towards you know the end of uh, Eliza trying to find out to trace her 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 father uh she she comes up to, she comes up against someone who essentially will do anything to protect what she she kind of her understanding of uh, of a perfect family so here in and uh, kind of I wanted to dovetail that to another point but uh, yeah this this notion of within your own self i mean obviously coveting uh the seemingly perfect lives of others but what sort of depths are people willing to go to do you think to essentially retain or protect what they have or what they perceive they have with their own sort of familial setup
1: oh i think people could be savages mm. in regard to that and and one of the characters in this in this does when you know when when more truth comes tumbling mm. out of people's lives and and there is an absolute uh, visceral reaction from one of the characters like mm. you do not you do not um Threaten mm. what everything about you know the, the, the image I've I've kept of respectability and, and my family unit mm. and 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 again that was that that's those two worlds colliding that I mentioned before about you know somebody that that, that has the lonely in terms of looking at somebody from a lo- from a point of view of family a, a lonely a lonely life in terms of you know really an orphan and. Up against somebody who's trying to protect this this public image, and I think that's where the moral dilemmas start in in, in the book. Um, like, do you take whose side do you take? Um, from, and I wanted to see the reader to see from both points of view with that, mm. um, and and that that's how people are reacting. That this, this you know who's right, who's 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 right, um, who has the right to decide. Uh, what can be told to other people if, if you find something out about them mm. and it's, it's not, there's nothing black and white about it and that's, that's what I, I discovered through the writing of it very much that those, they're, big moral, they're big
0: moral questions, and there is, no, there is no straight answer. No, there's not. And kind of like, we, we briefly did touch on it there, but in in relation to this notion of um, the, the depths people are willing to go to, that's kind of also, I guess, the burdening of secrets as well. So some of them can be uh, particularly ugly or unpleasant or, you know, obviously earth-shattering, uh, yeah, depending upon what they are. But yeah. there's, it, there seems to be um, particularly... Well, within characters, I don't want to kind of go into too much detail, but there is characters that have managed to live a life, uh, quite a full and successful life, while still continuing to carry the burden of um, some pretty awful secrets. So is that, again, also tapping into this this notion of the sanctity or the institution of, of family and doing whatever it takes to pre- seemingly preserve whatever that is? Yeah, it's, a really,
1: it's, it's an interesting point, Daniel, because... I mean, here we are in a world where um, you know everything that's happening in America and the presidential candidates, and and truth can be called fake news. News and mm. what is what is the truth anymore? And you know, and as you say, the burden of truth and the burden of secret. That it's um, you know, I I don't think there's a human being in the world that doesn't carry some form of secret wisdom,
2: mm, mm. and.
1: And it's the different levels of them. And, and that's why, when I, you know, at the beginning of our conversation, I, I spoke about those two very different family stories that, that really informed the writing of the godmothers for me. Absolutely. In that, like, but somebody asked me recently, my cousin actually, and she said to me, if you had asked your auntie, you know, my godmother, for the truth about that, that family drowning, that aunt's drowning, and she had told you outright, I think, you know, I'll just say it, I think, you know, she, she took her own life, is what I think. Would that, would that story have had the same power over you all this, all this time, all your life? And I said, it mm. was a really good question. I said, no, it wouldn't have. Because as a child, I would have asked a question, I would have been given a straight answer. And then I would have thought, oh, that's really sad. You know, that poor, my poor missing aunt. Um, I, you know, I feel really sad for her. But it was because I knew that there was more to it, but they weren't telling me. That's when it got its power, and that's what I think is the dangerous oxygen that um, that feeds uh, secrets and mistruths and, and that kind of um, moral ambiguity that you can have in your life, and and it can be very difficult to live with. I reckon, and it makes it makes your mind a, a difficult place. You know, you can live on your day to day, sure, um, but if you are harboring secrets or you're the custodian. Of a secret and they're two different things. Uh, it does it does make it a difficult way, and I'm not talking about conscience, because mm. it isn't about the spiritual, religious thing. But I, I do find I find secrets fascinating. What they can, how they confessor in your head, mm. um, and how the control and the power they can give you as well. So it's a, it's a really interesting issue for me. I think.
0: Yeah, I'm certainly picking that up, and I mean it is it is eternal. I mean, you know, no matter like the the times are, and what you touched on there, and the times that we're we're living in now with this notion of fake news or this kind of um, proliferating notion of fake news. But then you've also get uh, terminologies like uh, your version of truth, living your version of the truth, and it's also really yeah. interesting. And I mean, I feel like it's definitely certainly within the Godmothers exemplified several times is this notion of withholding a truth out of a uh, a good place or maybe misguided but a desire to protect someone from harm of a truth yeah, yeah so that, that that's the that's kind of what we saw throughout and i just i just always wanted us to yeah the, the protection of of what what is and obviously you've touched on it as this moral ambiguity of um do, do, does the truth come out and at what cost or is it better to protect Protect someone from that into kind of leader, inadvertent uh, or unknowing sort of existence where you, essentially you've got other problems in your life to focus on. That's it exactly.
1: I mean, there is there is there are multifaceted the, the reasons that people do keep secrets, or you know, a lot of it it does come from a good place. It does mm. I don't, you know, I I don't want to give you to cause you any harm, but I'm going to protect you from harm by not telling you this. Mm. Um, and, and you know maybe in five years time you might think actually I think it, you know it is time you did know that and and interestingly like I've i just done a series like of nine days of events here in South Australia because we can <clears> because <throat> of, um, the, um, no um, unusually, we're able to do that and yep. I'm discovering that um, a lot of the Readers that i'm meeting at, at um my different events are coming up to me after i've done my talk and talked about the ambiguity of secret keeping and the different moral questions that are raised you know all big big secret is what we're talking about big life-changing secrets and uh, like after every talk i'd say four or five people come up and say, here's my family secret here's what i only found out when i was 30 and my mother felt i should know or mm. you know Kind of things and um you know I'm, I'm not the first person to invent you know a novel about the the, the, the ripples of family secrets you know i think the, the, probably 50 percent of novels are about such a thing <clears> because <throat> that's what we're all intrigued about but um it yeah just from particularly what else, because at, at the moment what i'm so interested in is is how how we're shaped by the stories we're told and be they true or be they amended or be they hidden you know um, what shapes and and oftentimes you know the the, the sculpting implement is a secret withheld.
0: Hmm. Well, I feel like I can certainly see that with for example with Genie, and that's why uh, I love when someone a writer creates a character uh, that is not there uh, throughout the story. In in that uh, they are not alive they're not an active participant in the goings-on or whatever's happening from the trajectory of the story but their presence is as equally felt as any of those that are you know orbiting the actual or involved in the actual scenes themselves as it develops. and obviously it's genie i mean it's 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 eliza's main story but genie is the driving force behind all of it and certainly i feel and what i did love uh and it was something that you explored kept coming back to throughout was this notion of someone, particularly is uh, such a great character in that she's so prone to hyperbole and storytelling and she'll never tell you the same story twice. But dear friends slash quasi-family members or blood without the blood, then you know take that in their stride and accept that about them. Then just this sort of all-encompassing love. And that's what it is. It's, it's love. It's this, it's this notion of all-encompassing love and that's kind of what shines throughout. And I wondered if that was the main or what you feel, uh, particularly within this sort of dynamic, at least within the novel, is the most enduring force. And that's kind of what's kept it going for all these years, all these decades. Obviously, these two godmothers looking after or ensuring the, you know, the correct upbringing of Eliza. And then ultimately, this is sort of the hero's journey of her realising all her potential and kind of becoming comfortable with herself compared to her pretty oppressive conditions at the her job at the start. What do you reckon, Monica? Is that am I on the right track there, or what is love enduring like that?
1: No, I think it's really, really interesting because I think you know, yes, it, it, it is love and it is it's it's loyalty and and it goes back to I suppose that that idea. I mean, the the, the three the friend, like it, you know, it is Eliza's story, but it's also it's the story of, a, of an enduring friendship between these three women mm. who. Who came together at a young age and have have formed this bond, and two of them are supporting the, the weakest link, if you like, mm. the most difficult link in them as well. And there is love there, um, and and it's tried and it's tested so many times because Jeannie, uh, and it's really interesting. Yeah, as you say, she's not she's not there. She's not in the book um, in any other way except through other people's. Uh, idea of her, perceptions mm. of her, and memories of her. Um, but she is the strongest force throughout the book because it's her that has made all of this happen. And and they're, yeah, they're, they're searching, but Eliza is searching for love and for, um, for belonging, and, and as Jeannie was. And I think the two godmothers have both come, I don't touch on their family lives, but it's mm. fairly obvious that they're fairly secure. And so they're able, to offer the the support that the, their, their weaker friend needs, um, but she's hard work too. Mm. She's really hard work. Um, so it's you know, it's about the te- you know again boundaries being tested and and forgiveness and love and longing and you know distress and I guess all, everybody, I mean, all all our lives, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, fr- friendships, family, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, it's it's hard work, uh, sometimes very hard, very distressing work that I think that it's it's you never really take stock of it all that much aside from maybe a little bit of kind of petty bemoaning because I guess, again, the, the notion of, of uh, devotion Familiar devotion, friendship devotion, just prevails, and and then the the years kind of slide by like that, I guess.
1: I think so, and I think oftentimes in a um, and that's why it's very interesting. I found it very interesting to write a novel over like this is said over you know thirty years mm. really a bit more than that, and and in the way that you know in your life you don't really get a chance to press pause um, and look back mm. and really reassess. Really okay, what is actually going on? What is my friendship? What is my, my case? We all just, you know, we just keep moving forward, mm. and, you know, and really until this year, um, because the pandemic has caused so many of us to pause and reflect and, and take stock, I think, because everything just stopped, isn't mm. it? So, um, and, and, and that's really what... Happens in the godmothers is that all these different events come together by Eliza Suddenly starting to ask the questions that they the godmothers have been dreading her asking actually for years Mm. and Those questions that she finally feels I need to know some things about my life um, That is going to open some Pandora's boxes um, That I think the the godmothers would very happily have kept hammered shut actually Um, and there, there is that notion again, you know, is it better to, to stay quiet or is it
0: better to rummage? Absolutely. I like that um, the questions, you pose questions, but um, I think good writing is posing questions without kind of attempting to answer them, particularly when you're dealing with some pretty uh, big topics and themes kind of crammed into, you know, 400 odd pages of a Novel. How much did it, did did the story? I want to talk a little bit about your writing process, Monica. Did the story change all that much from uh, penning the first draft to submitting for the last publication
1: version? Yeah, I mean, I do many, many, many drafts, Samuel, of each of mine. Hmm. My first after the Godmothers would have been. Uh, it's about be 110,000 probably, 110, probably 190,000 um, I don't know at the start of each of my books what's going to happen at the end um, I start with my lead characters and in this case uh, again to go back to you know the stories that I told at the start I knew it was going to be about an enduring friendship between three women and I wanted there to have been a big serious Event happens. That sense is, I, I describe it in when I talk about my writing. as an emotional explosion in this. This, but three women, and and that happens pretty much in the first chapter uh, when when Jeannie is taken out of the story in, in a tragic way, and and then I knew I wanted there to have been for Jeannie to have had a daughter, and that that. that her mother's two best friends become very important to her. That's all I knew when I sat down to write mm. the novel, um, that I thought, here's, here's these three people, one of them not present anymore, and then the younger one, and there are secrets among them. But I actually didn't know what those secrets would be until I started writing. Um, I didn't know how easy it was going to be that you know Eliza would decide she wanted to go in search of her father and also to find out more about her mother. Um, but that... Each day, as I went up, I write. I usually live in Dublin, and I um, uh, and my office is now attic. And you know, each day I'd go up the uh, stairs to the attic, and, to, and 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 ask that question that every writer asks themselves a million times. You know, what if? Like, what if? Um, what if Eliza's mother was really tricky? Mm. And how tricky would she have been? And Eliza is going to go and find out what she can. So what will happen next? What will happen next? So I let it unfold like that. And the first draft as she kept running into other people like the Sullivan, the young fellow the young boy on the plane. Mm. Then when she gets Edinburgh to her her godmother's house, she meets her godmother's stepsons and, and other people in that family. So she's brought into another orbit and another orbit. And each of those people that she met, um and, and this wasn't it wasn't like I was doing an emphasis journey or <laughs> you know, the Odyssey or something like that, but in the way that, you know, you you do when you're going on a on a uh, you're seeking something. Mm. You are come up against different people, and what happened with the, that very first draft? And as I said, you know, from draft two to draft fifteen, probably I do. You know, before it appears in the you know, printed and in the bookshop, mm. lots mm. of editors, etc. Um, you know. I, I, I shape, shape, and cut, and add, and take, and all that, and stuff, but that very first draft, I did get, I did enjoy writing Sullivan and Celine, the very difficult older woman. Um, They, they took over a bit, so I had to, I had to pull them back in, because they were such, frankly, really good fun to write, Um, and, and they took over a bit, so it Uh, was a lot longer. I had other subplots involving um, some other minor characters that I never regret having written those, like mm-hmm. those tens of mm-hmm. thousands of words because I might just simmer them down and use, you know, just a little bit of, yep. of, of what's written. Um, so, yes, that so it was certainly a, a very different you know, just there was a lot more going on and then when I had the chance to finish that first draft and look and go, okay, now I know what my whole canvas is so now I'm going to uh sharpen my focus i'm mixing metaphors merrily here but you know what i mean so I, I, I thought okay here's here's what happened here's everything she's about to uncover what's important for that story um that i don't need to be you know right writing five books in one i wanted to write one book
0: lovely i, I it's always i'm always fascinated by hearing uh particularly when um uh, like obviously, you mentioned like somewhere in the region of like hundred thousand, hundred ninety thousand words, which you know is getting it's not it's not exactly there, but it's getting not too far off. You know, getting near Anacreonina type level, where it's just this huge sort of colossus of a of a draft. And then to hear you kind of going back, and then yeah, like what you said with the uh, it's almost like yeah, like a, a say taking something off the boil, simmering it down, using the reduction of whatever it was that you wrote. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. So so you you are somewhat well, not, not so somewhat, somewhat uh, uh, pantser, really. Like, you, you kind of, at least that first draft, and then you kind of go back and, and work it out how it's all going to go down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, everything I do as a writer is because I'm a reader. And for me, um, I the writing process, I want it to unfold in the same way that, if I, you know, and I read and read. I read two, three books a week sometimes when I'm, you know, really going for it awesome. in terms of that kind of uh, part of my life. And I, like, I... Like to be taken by surprise. I like mm. to be told stories. I like to be, um, you know, slowly beguiled to follow a character with every book I read. You know, here's who you're going to care about, and here's all the things that are going to start happen, going to start happening to them, and follow them all the way through. And for me, the writing process is the same. I've got to be have that really strong idea of who my main characters are, and then follow them through you know, through their path Um, and I enjoy the surprise of not knowing from one day to the next what's going to happen next to that that character. And also I like the the break of it too, because sometimes you have, you know, a little bit of time away from the actual storytelling of it, the invention, the imagination side of it, something will come totally unexpected. Mm. Um, And like, I've listened to lots of other authors and I have a really good uh, writer friend in Ireland called Sinead Moriarty. And Sinead writes in a really different way than I. She she does, like, a, like she's a filmmaker, she does absolute chapter breakdowns. She knows what's going to happen in every single chapter before she starts writing. Um, I've been to a great talk by Jane Harper, you know, the trigger the crime writer, <clears throat> and she almost writes a mini-book before she writes her main book. So she does a really, really detailed synopsis and chapter breakdown and works out all of her... Um, uh, you know, does the, do a lot of tweaking at that stage. So then she sits down, and, and she was very, really funny, and deliberately funny when she's talking, and she says, oh, and then it's just really easy, then I just write it. And we're all laughing, so go, I bet it's not. But she's, so she's worked it all out. And I, I actually thought about I thought, what else should I try that? You know, that's a really interesting way to do it, to do like a short, like a short, like, the condensed version, if you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I realized, no, that's not that's not the way my mind works and that's not the way uh, I would like to write in the same way. Um, but, but interestingly, what I've discovered, Samuel, the funny thing is I've just started writing um, a children's book series and I'm just doing the final edits of my, the first in that series. Oh, brilliant. And it's... Being published by Penguin in April next year, and it's a chapter book for ten for ten year olds and under. Um, so you know about thirty small chapters, and 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 I've absolutely love writing it. And it's a uh, Set in a little caravan park, coastal caravan park, and it's family, and it's got drama, and it's got comedy, uh, all through a ten-year-old, you know, um, eyes. But it's got magic in it as well, which has been, you know, incredible fun to do. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about if you want plot twist! If you throw magic in, you can make lots of things happen. But I'm writing that, that them in a very different way than I'm, I write my adult books. I'm planning them much more, and I and I wonder if that because of a smaller canvas, I need to. Know a bit more, you know what's going on, or is that because I, I want to try that other way? Uh, I'm still discovering that.
0: I like that you're rediscovering, or at least endeavouring, sometimes to rediscover the moniker Wheel when uh, when you've already, you know, pretty staggeringly prolific in terms of the amount that you've produced over the years. There's a good photo of you in the back of um, the Godmothers, standing there holding. Um, I, I don't think it's all your books. It's 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 a lot of them. <laughs> Yeah, it's all twelve of them. Well, not the
2: godmothers because I hadn't finished writing it when that photo was taken last
0: year. Yeah, no, that's, that's me with all twelve of them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, so like, you know, so you still are uh, willing to try new things. But what's has it? You know, has it gotten easier the process over the no. years? What sort of challenges do you face, Monica? Like, what's what's the what's the hardest thing about writing?
1: The hardest thing is. The hardest thing is confidence and self doubt and um, and I will tell a story because I am I'm happy to, to talk about this. Yes. Please. Even after um, so I've been published for twenty years now and, and I've written thirteen books. Um, but the reason that it's three years since my last book came out, my last book was called The Trip of Lifetime and that came out in twenty seventeen. So it's been three years until The Godmothers came out. Is I spent two years from twenty seventeen to twenty the end of uh, twenty so yeah two nearly the beginning of 2019, working on another book, a completely different book, um, and I got to 200,000 words of that book, and I was writing it during a very sad time for my Irish family. Mm. Um, I lost my, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and my brother-in-law in very quick mm. succession. So it was a time of deep sorrow and deep grief for my husband and my 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 family there, and, uh, and other things which... You know i won't go into detail about But that. so i was writing trying to write a novel um during a very very bleak time in 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 my family's life and i write very emotional books and each of my books they're not factually autobiographical but they're all emotionally autobiographical mm. i write about things that matter to me or that I'm curious about or that affect me in some way. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I, it was a good idea. Like it had a, you know, it was a, I, and I won't go into detail about it, mm. but um, it, it was the hardest. It, it physically became hard to get up the attic stairs to write this book. And I'm, you know, I'm, as I'm 55. I, I barely, I, I hardly run up the best of times. But, you know, I, it, I didn't like being up there and I love my attic office and it felt like a, it It felt difficult and I felt like I there was something wrong with yeah. me, and, and it And I, I but I, I just kept persevering, and I kept writing. And because with each book, also there is always a point, and I know that with all the ones that have been, you know, published and 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 are read around the world, that there is always a point in the writing of each one where you go, um, you know, I, I don't know, I've, I've lost my way. I don't know if I can see the end. Yeah. And you just keep going. You turn up to the desk every single day, and that's what I do. And and you break through that that little, you know, bit of still water, and then you know the time tide gets you again and away you go. And I kept waiting for that book to happen and it was this big book. And it didn't, but I got to the end and then I left it for a couple of weeks and then I spent an entire day reading it back from from the first page to the last page. And I took down the final page, I printed it out and I went downstairs to my husband and I said, I'm finishing that book. I'm, uh, I'm not going to do anything with that. I can't, nobody else can ever read that book. And he obviously, you know, knew that I what I was writing it true, and, and what was going into it. Yeah. And um and he said, why don't you, you know, don't don't make a decision. I said, I think I, I should write to my publishers and agents now and say, because they all knew I'd been working on this book for two years, yeah. Expecting it, and I said, um, so I said, we'll, we'll just he said, just leave it for the weekend, leave it for the weekend, and then have a think about it, and. As it turned out, coincidentally, we were going to Bristol uh, the next day for the weekend for a friend's wedding, and the book was set a lot in Bristol, and so it was really strange timing that the day I had decided that this book I'd spent two years writing and and had got to this you know big word count, which the word count didn't worry me because it's the same with Godmother, then I whittle, whittle, whittle and you know reduce and get down to that reduction we talked mm. about, um, but I went to bristol and then the wedding was on the sundays i had the whole saturday to walk around and i went to every single one of the locations that were in this book and i felt like i said goodbye to all those characters mm-hmm. and i st- i stood at all these different points in the city and thought no i and i realized i became so sure i had needed to write that book uh but nobody else ever needed to read it and I've learned so much about creativity and about what what writing is to me, why I need to write, how it helps me make sense of the world, um, what I explore through characters, and all of that. Um, but what happened after that is I, you know, I duly came back, and on Monday I emailed my publishers and agents and I said, um, you know, this, I've made this decision. I'm really sorry. They were all wonderful. They all said. Um, to, to the last one they all said that's a really brave decision you know and you sound really sure of it and I said I couldn't I, I don't want anybody else to read it I don't want to put anybody else through it actually mm. and, and because of the way it works for Publishing Life you know I'm now on a month's tour of, 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 of promotional events for The Godmothers and I love The Godmothers and I'm so proud of it and I'm so happy to talk about it and I knew I could not have done that with that book there never was and I also know that I would not have been able to write The Godmothers and done all I've done technically with The Godmothers and, and gone deep into so many different things if I hadn't dug so deep with the book that never was. Um, because it it it's, gosh, how do I explain? It, it made me really, really work through some very, very difficult thoughts and times in my life. And I was able to find what was underneath all of those sad and and difficult feelings and what was underneath them was hope and optimism but I couldn't get to the hope and optimism in that book because all there was was bleakness yeah, in that book and um, and so uh, I lost my confidence Samuel I I knew I I got the idea for the godmother quite quite quickly thank God and but I had lost my nerve because I thought, if this is going to happen again, I'll spend two years working on this book and I'll just hit that difficult patch and I'll keep going, but then I'll get to the end. And I was sitting, I found myself sitting beside, you know, in my desk, which is, I've got a big bookshelf next to my desk and it's full of books I've written, and you know, different translations and all the different languages and different countries, etc. And I was Googling YouTube tutorials on how to write a novel. I, I just thought I'd lost it. <sighs> um, so, but I just kept going. I just kept coming up those stairs every day and thought, you've done it for 20 years. You know, you've done it before. Um, keep going. And th- the sheer act of turning up every day and making myself right, made myself right 2,000 words a day. Just do it. And you know, maybe the next day, you, you, there might be 100 words there that will help you tell that story. And, um, and that's what happened. I slowly, I kept coming up the stairs and then... It was a beautiful day when I thought, here it comes. I'm oh. back into it. And, and um, but it's, so it's been quite a three months, a three years for me, really. Um, and as I said, that that book is sitting on my, my desktop computer back in Ireland and nobody, I, I don't know what, yeah. I when I'm home, I might delete it. I think I probably will. Uh, I don't, I don't want anybody else to ever read it, really.
0: Wow. What a story, Monica. What a truly inspiring story. Um, <laughs> Wow, that's not like it's like not hearing it. I mean, it is most definitely most definitely inspiring because it's it's kind of not just a cathartic type endeavor. Even though it's obviously like there's the, I can see that it has you know been instrumental in you getting back to to the way that you were before, but to make that decision uh, and you know knowing what knowing how much work goes into to writing a novel and, uh, then to make that decision because it was something that you just needed to within yourself, uh, in order to move forward is, yeah, no, that truly is inspiring. Thank you for sharing that story. Cause that's, well, that was intense. It's
1: been, it's been very, it's, what it's made me do is really, really think about being a writer actually. And why do I write and what, What does writing give me? And, you know, like I I said, I'm very, very lucky. I work really hard, so Mm. maybe I shouldn't. You know, I'm lucky because I, I, you know, I work really hard, and I've, I've worked it out. Probably spent 15 years of the last 20 years alone in a room writing, because that's why I can write that many books. Mm. And I can see my books have, you know, have changed me, and I've changed. You know, they. I began writing romantic comedies because I was, you know, young and newly married, and the world felt, uh, you know, so hopeful and joyous. And then, you know, the, the, the older you get, you, you brush up against so many sad and difficult times. Um, um, but you keep going as a human being, and all of that has gone into into my novels. And but I had to really have a think about what what is writing for me. And so now I'm really grateful for that that book that I didn't. I, I keep calling it the book that never was because because it reminded me um, one of the um, the joy of writing. Because when I got the joy back. When I was writing *The Godmothers*, and the characters were appearing and the dialogue was flowing, and I and I couldn't keep up with the twists that were coming out of my mind. You know, mm. This will happen, that will happen, and it, it was joyous again. And so um, well, I almost feel like I've that that 20-year period. I feel like I'm at the start of a new 20 years of being a writer. And. I feel like I've been um, girded or blooded or strengthened or all of those words in a way because I had that experience with that book and that 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 book that I I said no to um, was was just was creativity only. It was uh, it wasn't about being a published author. It wasn't mm. about being um, part of a you know a, a, a publishing system. It was
0: purely about writing for a human as a human wow okay and yeah I mean the, the one is essential with the other in order to to go on it does sound wow I'm, I'm picking it's it's almost like you're here talking to me but there was like I was standing too close to a fire there was like genuine intensity coming off coming off what you're saying there that's that's fantastic particularly yeah because because you have been doing it um, for you know 20 20 odd years now and then to have this kind of uh, awakening, and I feel it—I truly feel it—for your words um, is is something to behold. Because just, I guess that just leaves one excited to see what it is that you you next produce. Even though it's 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 just literally hot off the coattails. I mean, The Godmother's only been out um, for like l- less than a week, Australia wide. So, you know.
1: Yeah. That's it. Like I, like there is, like I have started the next novel, and you know, technically, I mean, uh, I'm really. I can't wait to get you know to be able to sort of really get started. I can't write a new book when I'm promoting another book. So uh, you know, talking about it because my head's full of all the Godmother's characters. Yeah, of um, But really looking forward to uh, you know being in my attic again, and 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 also I'll be moving between the children's books and and my next adult novel. So I, I I'll have this great lightness and joy of writing my children's series, which has, you know, magic, as I said, and, and you know, quirky kids and all that kind of thing, and, and I, I can absolutely see that I'm going to be shifting back and forth between the, the two, you know, like, I, like I, I do it on the same desk, because I wrote The Godmothers at the same time as I was writing Marcy Gill, which is the name of my children's book, um, but I just, I moved the chair up, you know, I just physically had to be in a slightly different position. Absolutely. Um, to, to write it, um, I know somebody else who works on two books at the same time, and they've got two desks in their office. Actually, they physically go and sit somewhere else. But I don't do that. But um, uh, but I might. But yeah, I, I'm really interested too. What's going to happen? But I still, despite that, let, let me absolutely say, I still, and I still, am full of trepidation about the next adult book. Will I be able to do it? You know, it, is it going to happen again? And, and I, you know, I'm I'm pleased not to have that confidence with it. Um, and also, you know, I think it's such a strange time for the world. You know, so many people are... Like, my whole life has changed this year. You know, I've, I've been separated from my husband because I haven't been able to get home to him. Yeah.
2: So,
1: and, and that's brought me into, you know, like, we talk every day and we're missing each other so much. But Aww. we've had a... What, what this has done to our relationship, we talk, you know, we, we're best friends anyway. Um, and, you know, if we're there in person, we're talking all the time. But we've had to really find a new way to stay connected and at, at, at that same time I have found myself living with my 81 year old mum for nine months, which I would never have done, I haven't lived in Ireland, in Australia you know, full time for, for 30 years and so this you know, who's ever to know what's going to happen in your life, you know, I don't know No way, no. So who knows what's going? what what will come out in the book that I was planning to be my next adult novel which was you know i've had the idea since february this year but i've now had these nine months of really unexpected experiences to me as a human and that might completely change the tra- trajectory of the story that i thought i was going to write so i'm really looking forward to sitting at the computer and see what happens you know see what what will that story become because of what this year has been like it's, you know it's the most we're so lucky samuel aren't we we're, oh, we're, absolutely yeah, we're,
0: absolutely absolutely i've been yeah absolutely look monica i think that uh i was going to ask you uh to end with but i think you kind of already probably touched on it i was going to ask you again i always like to start with a kind of basic question and end with one because i actually seem to they give the most insight um what advice would you give to any aspiring uh authors that are also listeners to this program
1: I my I, it, it's three points and then and it's what I live with as a writer and they're it, really simple. Number one, read, 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 read as much as you can. Read outside the genre that you're writing. Read as a reader and read as a writer, and you can do both at the same time. If you're reading something and you're bored by the or don't care about the characters, try and work out why, where you think that author has gone wrong. Why don't you care? But if you are reading and you do care and you want to be taken by the hand by that storyteller try and recognize how they've done it you know if, like i didn't do a writing course my writing course has been read books mm. i've learned mm. something with every single book I've, I've read so that's my number one number two it sounds really simple write you can't be a writer mm. without writing but it can be very easy to um find all the excuses not to write uh the only way to be taken seriously as a writer is to is to turn up every day and, and write even if it's only 10 minutes um, you know, or, or all day, or once a week, but make it. Writing is a muscle, and you've got to absolutely um, exercise that muscle. And the third is edit. Um, you're never going to get it right, and don't be worried if you don't get it right the first time. Who, 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 how can you? You're creating absolutely something out of nothing. Um, you're creating an entire world, and um, but you'll always make it better with each edit. So read, write, and edit.
0: Brilliant absolutely brilliant and that nicely caps off an absolutely excellent interview thank you so much monica especially for sharing that personal story that was um that was a highlight but it's been absolute joy talking to you and reading the godmothers being one of the privileged few to get it um brian early uh thank you again so much for chatting with me today you've been so generous with your time and insight
1: Thank you for fantastic and really thought-provoking questions, Samuel. I really enjoyed that. You've taken me right deep inside the book and made me look at it in a way uh, which is really special this early on in the publication process when you truly are still really working out what, what it was that your, your subconscious wanted to tell you. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, bless you. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. So guys, that's the end of the interview with Monica. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this, the first of what I hope to be many podcast episodes with many different guests. I can't stress enough to you. Thank you so much for your patronage by listening. Be sure to follow, subscribe on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this for or on. Uh, And yes, thank you again. And be sure to tune in again next time.